This is the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk about retail, business, and all things related to the hot tub industry. I'm Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. And I'm Jeff Bailey, owner of Spring Dance Hot Tubs in Philadelphia. This episode of the Spa Retailer Podcast is brought to you by Marquee. Well, welcome to our first uh, podcast episode of the new year. Very excited to be back with new episodes. Excited to be back with you, Jeff. How is uh, how has it been for you over our little our little break? I, I think it's been uh, pretty eventful. Yes, yeah, it's been a little crazy for me. We had a we we had lost one of our retail stores to a, a flood, um, and so we're we're in the throes of that. We have it back open, but uh, it was quite a quite an ordeal and. Um, we're just getting in the insurance numbers now. It's about $150,000 worth of damage to the showroom. So uh, amazingly enough, we were able to keep keep things going, keep the, everybody busy um, that was working in those stores. So uh, we didn't lose any any people, and everything can be replaced. But, boy, it throws us into a tizzy for the new year, that's for sure. Yeah, I bet. I didn't know that you already had it back open again. So that's that's great. Well, we, we had some things going against us, and... and, and um, one of those was, you know, that that old thing, life goes on. So we had to we had to keep keep moving because uh, home shows were in the area, and we had decided not to do the home show this year. So it was a, it was kind of a big deal that we'd be open at least during that time. Um, so I had to get open. It wasn't pretty. The showroom wasn't pretty, but we were able to to work, uh, and everybody pulled together, and we used it to our advantage. With you know, people could obviously see we were in a little distress, and they were able to get a deal on some hot tubs. So we kept it, we kept it moving. You got to keep it positive and keep moving forward. So that's what we did. So this all happened. I mean, it was right around Christmas too, right? Yes, it was December 17th. So we uh, putting it on board was putting an awning up and had his guys in there and they, they uh, caught the scissors lift on a, on a, on a sprinkler pipe and they snapped the pipe and about 150 gallons of water poured into the showroom for about 40 minutes before the fire department finally came with the, the keys to the sprinkler room to shut all the water off. And then, of course, all the water in the whole center drained into the store. So, yeah, it was a mess. Oh, no. I bet those guys were horrified. Were they just panicking? <laughs> you know, I wasn't there. <laughs> so I, I was away, and I had just landed uh, and got word of it. And by the time I got to the building, it, it, everybody had left. Um, I just had uh, the emergency restoration guys were here trying to get the drying started. So it was eventful holiday season, that's for sure, trying yeah. to keep all this going. But but um, what do you do? people have been wonderful. What do you do when something like that happens? I mean, what do you do with your employees? Did you just move them to other stores? Did you give them um, <clears throat> tasks at that store to try to get it like up and running again? Or, or what, it, what do you do with the people that, like you said, to keep them busy? Well, we were closed between Christmas and New Year's, which is kind of a goofy time anyway. Sure. Um, and, and the way things work today, so we have the satellite stores, so that even though they're big stores, this store is 6,000 square feet. Even though they're big stores, they um, they just have two people that run them. Right. So, um, and because, as they say, the new door to the store is the Internet, they still worked all their leads. So they still stayed on top of everything. It was just a matter of of being able to meet customers. And at one point we had to get all the hot tubs out of here so they could do, you know, pull all the flooring up and do all that kind of stuff. But then as soon as the building was dry, which was around the first of the year, we were able to move some product back in 
and uh, keep them busy and uh, have them have appointments. And uh, they did terrific. They did terrific. It's funny. You have business interruption insurance, but you don't want to be interrupted. That's the, oh, that's right. the, the irony of it. It's, yeah. it's not like, oh, yeah, you know, now we can kick back. No, we, we worked really hard to get it get it back into shape. So Sure. Um, other than all the POP stuff on the walls, basically, if you walked in the showroom, it looks, you know, it, it's, it's uh, functional, very functional right now. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I mean, that's not really something that you want to be dealing with in your first year of uh, business ownership. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's crazy. The the, uh, the things that we've come across, we have a very seriously ill service manager um, battling right now. And, uh, yeah, I've had some things thrown at me that um, we, we didn't have in the first 20 years of business uh, when I was just a partner. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it's been, it's been kind of kind of a crazy uh, start but it is what it is and you, like I said you got to keep moving forward and roll with it so um, how about you how was your how was your uh, beginning of the year um, it's been it's been pretty busy it's been a lot of travel so you know the second week in January I was in Dallas for the pool Corp retail summit um, then got home and it was a flurry to get our next issue out the door <laughs> you know with with the holidays and travel and stuff mm. you know you get a, usually get a little behind on that issue so <laughs> and that was the case this time but that was it, it went out it was fine um, it came out this week and then I um, you know headed out to Atlantic City for the AC show and um, I <laughs> I left Atlantic City on Thursday, took a train to um, Washington, D.C., and I have, and I'm still in Washington, D.C. I get to go home tomorrow on Saturday. I've been at the National Plasterers Convention this week. But it's kind of been a crazy month for the industry, too, because there's been, you know, big news of acquisitions and mergers. Um, NC Brands was bought by BioGuard, ClearOn bought Aqua Finesse got the announcement of platinum buying Lanza and, and Jacuzzi uh, being purchased and Sun, and Sundance and that whole group there with Hydropool and D1. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, um, I don't remember this many acquisitions in, in such a short time. I, I, it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it really is. And where I am right now, I am sitting in the offices of the Association of Pool and Spa Professionals because they announced with the National Swimming Pool Foundation that they are finally going to merge. And so that is very exciting. And that's what kind of going to be our main focus of topic today. Wow, that is that is uh, neat. That's a long time coming. I know they, they had that almost done a year ago, right? And then that fell apart. Exactly. Yeah. And so we're going to talk to the CEO, Larry. He's going to he's going to come in here in a minute. We'll talk with him about all of the details. But um, just as exciting times in the in the industry as a whole, I feel like. Yeah, it really is. It is. It is. Uh, I can't remember a time like that. that. That's for sure. It's a lot of it's a lot of change, um, you know, even change within organizations. Um you know, Chris Robinson from Lucite is retiring this, he retired this year after, you know, he's been with them for almost 30 years, I think, and has been a big player and personality in the industry that a lot of people know. And so, you know, he's stepping away. There's, um, Don Elkington has stepped away from Coast Spas. I think he's still on the, on the board, but he's no longer running their daily operations. And so there's just a lot of, a lot of change in the air, I feel like. Yeah, well, they've been talking about it for years, right? All, all these uh, manufacturers have been wondering what to do with their aging dealers and networks and how, how they're going to change and who's going to succeed. And 
Um, it's kind of interesting to see all the different moves that are being made with different companies. Uh, and even on a retail level, I know we'll get to that at a different point, but there's big story about or big news about um, a great a great retailer up in the Pacific Northwest, Aquaquip, that was recently purchased. Um, so, yeah, no, it's it's very exciting. Yeah, there's definitely kind of this this turning point that we're at, like you said, where, um, you know, the leaders of manufacturing companies and the leaders of retail stores in the industry are both kind of at that point where, you know, they're going to need to re- probably retire in the next five to 10 years. And so you're starting to see some of those changes happen now. Um, I mean, you bought your company. I bought my company. <laughs> yeah. So this, <laughs> these, these things are happening and it's, um, it's exciting. We're going to take a short break to hear a message from our sponsor. When we come back, Larry Cornelia, the CEO of APSP and the new Pool and Hot Tub Alliance will join us. Marquis Micro Silk Beauty Treatment moisturizes and hydrates at the same time. Micro bubbles envelop your body in a soothing, effervescent cloud of oxygen, diving deeply into pores to restore collagen. Micro Silk leaves your skin silky with reduced fine lines and wrinkles. A microsilk bubble is negatively charged, approximately 50 to 100 times smaller than a typical hot tub bubble. Negatively charged ions are credited with increased serotonin production, which is associated with emotional stability, a sense of well-being, and promotes restful sleep. Microsilk is available on signature line models Spirit, Promise, Resort, Euphoria, Epic, and all Vector 21 hot tub models. I gotta say personally, this is one of the more fascinating hot tub features that's currently on the market. The older I get, it seems the more beauty products I buy that promise to do all of these things for my skin. I have never tried it, but give me a snorkel and I am all in on Microsilk. For more information, visit MarquiseBaz.com. So I would like to officially introduce our guest today on the podcast, the CEO of APSP, um, Larry Cornelia. So welcome, Larry. Thank you so much for having us in your conference room here in D.C. It's great to be here. Um, thank you for inviting me. So there's obviously, I mean, Jeff and I were talking about it a little bit beforehand, but big news yeah. with the with yeah. the APSP and the NSPF yeah. merging finally. So, yes. And the funny thing is I <clears> saw <throat> you at the beginning of January and there was no hint of this no. happening. No, it, it had to be. Um, there was no question that this time around, because as you know, we tried this two years ago and um, one of the things I think both groups learned from the first time we tried this was the messaging communications went out a little bit too soon. There was a little bit too much optimism uh, that it could work as if it would not have issues, you know, uh, trying to get the unification to happen. So this time around, when the two sides came back to the table to talk about it, the first thing they both groups decided was nobody says anything. Everybody's got to keep this quiet. Both boards were on, both of the boards of directors were on board with it, and they said, yes, everybody will keep this quiet. Let the process work itself out, and then we can make an announcement. So, yes, I saw you a couple times. It was like, yeah, you were telling me what it was like. Yeah, I wish I could talk about some things, but I just can't talk about it. <laughs> There's nothing I could say right now. And nobody knew anything, which was good. And then we were able to finally make the what I perceive, and I think a lot of people in the industry believe, um, was a very, very positive announcement that the two most effective, largest organizations in our industry were finally able to come together, stop competing against each other, and come together for what is in the best interest of our industry. That's the whole point of why we're doing this. So when did you guys actually start to talk about it again? What happened was um, the, the door was really opened right Right around the, when the International Expo took place, um, 
where were we this year? Because I've already forgotten what city were we at in Las Vegas. <laughs> Just before we got to Las Vegas, the news broke that Tom Lachaki, who is now the retired executive director from the National Swimming Pool Foundation, announced his decision to step away and 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 go off and do other things, you know, and and yeah. enjoy another part of another chapter of his life. So when that happened, um, the new president of the National Swimming Pool Foundation, Rob Butcher, and the new chair of APSB, who's Donna Williams mm-hmm. from Pool Corp, um, they decided to have a conversation uh, at the expo, and the, the conversation basically was, hey, do you think we should, you know, sit down and talk again? And that's literally how it happened, and both sides said, yeah, let's talk, and that's that's how it got started. That's great. Yeah. That's um, awesome. Um, yeah. Well, and you, speaking of Tom deciding to retire, well, you were you were planning on retiring like this yeah, month, weren't I, you? I was. The what had happened was in my own my own little short past history. Um, two years ago, when I announced to the my board of directors at the Northeast Spa and Pool Association (NESPA), which is the owner of the pool and spa show in Atlantic City, um, I was there for 14 years and. I was at the point where I was ready to step back and, and go into what I call semi-retirement because I, I am working with some colleagues that are in the association world where we do so, they do consulting work and they asked me if I would come on and help out and I said yes. So my plan was I was going to ha- have my last year at NESPA, which would have ended last year in February of 2018, and then go off into retirement. Halfway through 2017, this opportunity here at APSP came up. Uh, the decision, uh, Rich Gottwald had decided and the board had decided they were going to um, move in different directions. And Rich was not going to continue on after, well, after 20, after the end of 2017. So the new, this board, APSP's board, came to me and said, would you consider, um, uh, would you consider taking over as APSP's CEO and president? And I said, yes, but but the big but was I would I'd be interested in that, but it would not be a long-term situation. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to do this because I'm really ready at this point in my life uh, to move on. So I took it for a year. The, the deal was I would take it for a year, and it was supposed to end. As a matter of fact, today is my one-year anniversary oh, that I've been here <laughs> at APSB. It's just coincidentally, I've been here one year. And uh, what along the road to going to retirement again, this unification happened, and both boards uh, got together, and I well, – let me back up a moment – I had told my board uh, just before all this took place that I was not going to be looking to extend my contract here. I really wanted to step back, and that would happen. I was hoping to get it started in February with the recruiter coming in, finding the new replacement, and go on, that whole routine. And then these talks began. So when that happened, my board was able to say to the board members at the National Swimming Pool Foundation that – I'm not interested. Larry's not interested in being the this, this long-term CEO, but he really might be very helpful for us to go through the transition process. So that's why they asked me to stay on, and I said, absolutely, I would love to do this, to stay on for you know a few months to help get this process together. As you've mentioned, there's a lot to do, a lot of moving parts right now going on to make this happen. Hopefully to the outside world, our stakeholders, it's going to appear seamless. Uh, our programs and services will remain the same. Genesis continues on as Genesis. Um, APSP University continues on. Except for Genesis, everything else will have a different name. Genesis will always be Genesis, right. always. Uh, but for the other programs, instead of being APSP University, it will be Pool and Hot Tub Alliance University and, and so on down the line. So the names will change, but the products and the services 
we start with a base point of what we have now and we want to grow them and improve them streamline them streamline them and hopefully with the with the saved resources from not fighting each other but working with each other to improve the products that we have which are great products to begin with but they can always be improved doing better marketing doing better communications that those savings that will ultimately be realized from that can then be put back into this larger association for the for the benefit of not only the members but also all the stakeholders in this world and we we're not a huge world but but the world that we are we need to do everything we can to help our world and that that's what this is really all about yeah you know rich uh, uh when rich had a really interesting um, vision larry and uh he expressed that at a dealer summit a few years ago in in fort worth and um it was really unique that he, that he wanted to bring uh, as many of these. Um, he talked about that basically our, our industry being so fractured and having so many factions all over the place. And where you have a GoRVing.com or a GoBoating.com, and there's really it's really tough when you, all this money is separated. So bringing these resources all together is very exciting for for the industry. Um, I'm I'm not one of those retailers that feel that. It's up to you guys to drive traffic in our stores, but it would be really great if if there was more top of mind to our products in a general sense. And um, and it was interesting because Rich went through the numbers and said, you know, this is the funds that are in this group, this is the funds in this group, and this is the funds. And really, we, we there's a ton of funds to do some really exciting things, but not when there's um, all these different factions and, and and it's not working as one. So. Um, it's kind of neat to see that uh, this is this was a vision as his that's come, come along, you know, after he's left, um, and it's it's in your hands now. But that's very exciting. Yeah, um, I, I remember when when Rich gave those statistics, he he actually went online because all of our if you're a um, any type of a uh, an association or organization or a foundation like NSPF. All of your what are called 990s. It's like the, it's it's your income tax return. The 990 is public record, and it's you can go to a website called guidestar.org, and they're right there. You can just pull up the name of the organization and look at it. And Rich mm. actually went and did that. He went and looked up all the different organizations in our industry. You're only talking about a pool of money of well, only it's 13 million dollars is a year, and, and which is a nice chunk of change. But when you take the 13.1 million and you figure out where all the money is. 10 million, almost 10 million, well, 8 million of it is the foundation and APSP. So you figure it's more than half the size of the money, as you just said, Jeff, you know, more than half of it is in these two organizations. And why, why are we spending the money to compete with each other when that money should be used to work together for the, the industry it, it not, not competing sure. against each other? We don't, you know, fortunately, we're not a manufacturer or a dealer that, you know, uh, you have antitrust issues and all that. In the association world, it doesn't work like that. Associations are nonprofit organizations that are working for the good of a particular community. In this case, it's the recreational water environment industry and the foundation, which, of course, is aquatics and, and the great mission that they have. Um, we can work together, and there's no reason why we shouldn't do that, to, to make it better for everybody down the line. Absolutely. You know, I, I, as I, I mentioned earlier about, about you know, looking for – you know, top of mind advertising, that kind of stuff. Marketing is important, but it's really important that each each dealer out there works with their manufacturer 
um, to do, or the products they sell, to do the best marketing they can. Uh, and there's so many resources for us to do that online, from social media to um, our website, and um, all, all you know, everything right down to Google and AdWords. But at the same time, um, what you guys do to protect us as an industry is, is to me, just the most important thing you could be doing. And that's something that um, that I'm certainly grateful for all your help doing that uh, currently. Well, I'll tell you, you know, when you look at the way the new unified organization is set up, the the the, the t- I, I always try to describe it as a triangle. If you look at the top of the triangle, that's Pool and Hot Tub Alliance. That's that's the mothership, you know, Pool and Hot Tub Alliance. But each of the two arms are equal to the mothership, really. And then you mm-hmm. have because you have on the right side, let's say, Pool and Hot Tub Foundation, which would be the new name of the Ennis Swimming Pool Foundation, and the new entity which is being created, which is called, will be called the Pool and Hot Tub Professionals Association. At the top of the apex, at that, that top of the triangle, this over, this mothership, Pool and Hot Tub Alliance, promotions and advocacy sit at that point because, to your point, Jeff, they are both the most important things that we see as an industry. We have to, we want to protect our industry, so advocacy is hugely important, and promoting the industry. You know, I know we, I think we've all lived through the, the debates back, you know, it, I remember since I've been in this industry for the past 15 years, it's, it's been, why don't we have a, get, a, a Got Milk campaign? Why yes. don't we have a Go RVing campaign? Which would be great if we had $5 million a week to spend, which, which, which we don't. But that doesn't mean we can't promote the industry. That there, there, there's two different things. You know, you're talking about a national campaign with, you know, the national dairy farmers. There's a lot more of them than there are of us, you know, around the country sure. that could sure. do a Got Milk um, uh, campaign. But there is absolutely no reason why if both organizations are now one and we're working together think of the promotional ability that we can now do promoting the industry and not necessarily the association when when the two groups and the way the uh, the way the uh, merger talks actually took place was there are three members of the National Swimming Pool Foundation board which is Rob Butcher, Anita Saeed and Francine Gonzalez they're the three Negotiators from the foundation, from the APSP side, it was um, it is Donna Williamson Pool Corp, uh, Chris Curcio uh, from Lighthouse in Ohio, and um, and Rich Garvey from GLI, and so those six got together and before every single conference call, before we had two live meetings, before both live meetings and the several several conference calls, the first thing that was said on the call was, we are always thinking about. What is in the best interest of the industry, not what is in the best interest of my backyard or your backyard or my sandbox or however you want to put it. It's what's in the best interest of the industry. And that made a lot of the issues that were still kind of bumping along out there that had to be resolved. When everybody took off their my foundation hat or my APSP hat and said, well, wait a minute, what's really in the best interest of the industry? Issues were resolved. It was like, you know what? We need to look at it this way. And that's... That that's the in my mind, that's my mission going forward. What is in the best interest of this industry to make this unification run smooth and and really take us to the next level? Because that's what this is ultimately going to do. I hope, you know. Sure, absolutely. So, so you are calling it the Pool and Hot Tub Alliance. Yes. So since we are Spa Retailer yes. Magazine, yeah. um, I feel like using the word hot tub mm-hmm. instead of spa is, is pretty strategic, right? It was. And that 
came through very loud and clear because of you know Jeff's old group, you know the IHA International Hot Tub Association. The the word spa, the reason why spa was specifically not used and hot tub was used. If you do a Google search for spa, the first thing that pops up is like a day spa, Correct. you know, and and unfortunately that's not who we are. You know, we we don't we don't do nails, you know, and we we don't do massages. I guess I wish we did, you know, but we don't do massages. <laughs> um, we are we really when you think about it, what differentiates us from the word spa is hot tub, mm-hmm. and yet a hot tub is a spa. So you know, it, it's not like it doesn't mean the same thing, but we wanted it to be when. Anyone, any stakeholder, any consumer, when they put on the word hot tub, what pops up is our industry, not the word spa. And, and, and unfortunately, that's just the way it is because it's, spa just has a different connotation to Google, <laughs> to Google and the different search engines right. uh, on the Internet. Yeah, I mean, if I, if I could rename the magazine, I would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're really, you know, in the magazine, we almost always call it hot tub and not a spa. Yes. I mean, that's that's yeah. just a distinction that we decided to make a long time ago. And so you'll see the word hot tub, you know hundred times every yeah. issue <laughs> yeah you want you want that word to pop up because that makes us not not the day spa down the street exactly yeah. Yeah. so what are you going to do i mean so you guys are different kinds of nonprofits. Mm-hmm. um the nspf is a foundation right. and the apsp is a um association right. and so are you are you keeping them separate for are you are you going to keep them separate going forward in certain aspects because i mean that's That's a big deal to change that. Right. That's a great question. And for tax reasons and legal reasons, we can't physically merge the two organizations together in that sense. But to get around that and to remain legal and do everything, you know, according to the book, and we have our attorneys, you know, advise us and the the financial people advise us how how we can do this. The way it works is you're exactly right. The National Swimming Pool Foundation is uh, is a foundation, and not to get too in the weeds, but that's considered what's called a 501c3 organization. All that means is 501c3 refers to a section in the Internal Revenue Code. It's section 501c3 that says an organization that is organized under that section of the code is has certain restrictions that it must it must go by. For instance, a foundation is only permitted to do very limited government lobbying. It, it's extremely limited in how much they can spend. I think it's, I think they can spend 5% of their revenue and no more in lobbying, and it's very, very restrictive in what they can and cannot do. Well, when you look at the, um, the trade world side of our world, as Jeff pointed out, we do a lot of government relations because we're, we're there to protect the industry. So we can't, we could never take we would not be able to put the C3 in any type of jeopardy by making them suddenly doing lobbying that they're really not allowed to do. The second thing is the foundation also has large um, grant contributors to the foundation. When you contribute to a foundation, again, that 501c3, the organization or the individual who makes that contribution, they get the tax deduction. So if you make, if I were to write a check today to the National Swimming Pool Foundation, like American Cancer Society, National Heart, um, American Heart, if I send them $25, I get to deduct $25 off of my income tax um, return. With a trade association, it doesn't work like that. If somebody were to send a check into APSP, thank you very much, but I I can't help you. (laughs) It's not going to do anything for you on your taxes. So we want to keep 
the ability, of course, that the foundation is able to uh, co- you know, get contributions from outside donors, and at the same time, the research and the grant-making ability of the foundation will be able to continue under what I'm calling that right arm or that right side of the triangle, but understanding that the way we structured the governance of this new organization, there will be one board of directors. There are five members of the board from the old APSP side and five members of the board from the old NSPF side. Those 10 people will have complete authority over the new Pool and Hot Tub Foundation, Pool and Hot Tub Alliance, and Pool and Hot Tub Professional Association. So it will be one group of people making sure that all three arms, if you will, are working in unison. So to the, again, I keep going back to, to the outside world, to the, to the, uh, the pers- person who purchases the services or the products or any of our affiliated groups, it's going to be one organization that you're dealing with and you're working with, and we're going to operate it as one organization, keeping in mind that because of certain legal and tax reasons, we can't physically put certain organi- certain things together to make it just, oh, we'll just call it one thing. We just, we just can't do that. Okay. Yeah. So what is kind of priority one as far as yeah. getting – getting things put together and what is what is the first thing you feel like you guys have to work on the first okay um i guess really it's a it's a two-pronged approach the first thing that we have to do my goal is number one our first board meeting of the new board will take place in mid-march when when we get to that meeting i want to be able because it's going to be a very very full meeting but the new board will be adopting new bylaws. They'll be adopting new board policies. There'll be many different types of legal documents have to be voted upon so that we can get this thing legally all created. Once the legalities are out of the way, then what I realized that I need to do, and this really came home to me when I was, I was in Colorado Springs this week meeting my new staff, you know, from the National Swimming Pool Foundation, because we'll all be one staff sooner rather than later. Um, but I realized that, you know, I learned an awful lot while I was out there. I mean, I thought I knew a lot about the foundation. I've been right. working with them for 15 years. Um, and yet what I learned was, wow, I don't know a lot of the stuff that I need to learn about. So I realized that the board, the NSPF board members who are now part of our new alliance and the APSP board members who are now part of the new alliance board, we need to know more about each other. So I'm going to have to do a little bit of a, hey, this is the types of things that are really going on at the foundation and really kind of lay out for the board. These are all the great products and services that the foundation is doing right now and is working on. Same for APSP so that the full board now has a clearer picture of wow, we have all of this portfolio that we're going to need to manage as a board and make sure that we have the people in place that are helping us day to day. So that's that's priority number one for the board meeting in March. Going along with that, I have to work now with two distinct financial pieces of this organization and this organization over here. The financials have to be put into an order that everybody can understand, the board can read it and see that you're reporting it this way, you're reporting it this way over here. I mean, really getting into the weeds, but that's what I have to do. Right. That's kind of things yeah, we got to do. I mean, with. that's that's the important stuff that people don't see. Of course not. And you and you know what? I want it to be that you don't need to see that. If you want to see it, hey, knock yourself out. You, you don't need to see that, but it's I want it to be that 
it will be business as usual, but behind the scenes, we are getting financials put together so that we have clear reporting and it's very transparent to the boards. The boards understand what's going on and they understand what each organization does. Number two, um, I have to unify my staff because I've got many people in Colorado Springs and around the country on Genesis because there are many people who work for Genesis, don't work in Colorado Springs, and yet they're all now part of this organization. I've got my staff here at APSP. We've got a We'll all work for the Pool and Hot Tub Alliance, so I have to meld all of that together. That means we've got to make sure we have one employee's manual, one hopefully pension system, one hopefully of uh, you know um, uh, healthcare system. You know, I, I started going through this stuff yesterday, and I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> there's an awful lot to look at. But we all of that has to be done so that everybody ultimately is working consistently for the one organization, which is the Pool and Hot Tub Alliance. So they're, they're the two most important things to get done now. And then what we're also working on is, and Jim Mock is the interim uh, CEO at the foundation helping out. And J Jim, if I don't know if you know Jim, but Jim uh, was a was and is. He was a member of the National Swimming Pool Foundation Board. He's retired from Ecolab. He's a retired executive from Ecolab. And he worked for many, many years uh, with the CPO program. So he's very familiar with CPO, and that's a major, major program of the foundation. So he's very familiar with it. He knew how it worked. And the board, the foundation board, asked Jim if he would step in because Tom was stepping away. Would Jim step in on an interim basis to help out, you know, because I physically can't obviously be in both Virginia here and in Colorado Springs. So Jim is on the ground in Colorado Springs. He's there every other week, and then he works from his home in Minneapolis because he lives in Minnesota. Um, but he's really just a huge, huge benefit because meeting with him over the past couple of days, he was helping – onboard me as to, hey, this is what we do. These are the kinds of things we're working with to really help me out with that. And he and I will we'll be working together on this unification of the staffs, working on the financial stuff, and also reviewing. We are going to look at every single service and benefit that both organizations are currently working on to be able to report out to the board, this is where we are, and to start making some recommendations. How can we get better? You know, how can we make... Are we doing enough on marketing on this? Are we doing enough with our sales on this program over here? Can we can we improve some of these benefits? That will be taking place over time. But to your initial question, right now, get the board up to speed, get our financials reporting. The financials are great. It's just getting them reported so everybody can understand them, getting that done, and then unifying the staff. So the most important things right now to get going. Yeah. How, do you, how has the staff reaction been? I mean, I know this is one of those things where – you know, I think everyone has agreed that this is going to be great for the industry. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be great for every single person yeah. in each organization. So, are they are they excited? Are they are they nervous? I mean, you guys also work competitors, yeah. and so that can be a little uncomfortable. You know, the person that you've been you know selling against, or yeah. you know, we've been trying to market these similar programs. You know, now you're together. I mean, how has that been? Has it been? Has it, you know, that that's a great question, and I have to tell you. It, it has gone so much better than I kind of anticipated before we did it. Uh, when, when I knew that the we had to make the announcement on um, the way the way we did the announcing was on January 22nd, which was the day before I flew out to San Antonio for the Southwest show. The day before was the day that Jim was going to be in Colorado Springs. I was here in Virginia. The plan was that 11 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Mountain Time, we would both be making the announcement to our staff so that everybody heard the news at the same time. 
best laid plans of mice and men uh, often go awry when a blizzard decided to hit Colorado Springs and, and, and delayed the delayed the announcement a little bit, which caused a little bit of a friction, which I was hoping that wouldn't happen, but unfortunately, but it all worked out. But when the when the announcement was made, um, here I can tell because I was I was here in Virginia, there was a sense of excitement. I'm sure there was initially a sense of foreboding, like, well, what does that mean, you know, for my job and all that. Sure. But we wanted to reassure both staffs, and I think we did a pretty good job with that. No one is looking to move anybody out of anything at this time. We are so busy doing other things that what happens months down the road, and again, no one can predict the future, but no one is coming in here, and no one was going into Colorado Springs to start handing out pink slips. That was not the intention. That had not happened. That's right. what we're not we're looking to do. But to your point about, gee, you know, we were competitors and all that, since the announcement and over the past couple of weeks, there's been outreaches from both sides. And as a matter of fact, one of the things I have to do today is start to put some people together now that I'm back from Colorado Springs. Hey, I want to put you in contact with this person and that person with this person so they kind of know – even though they don't do the same things, they're in the same world. The communications people, the education people, they're still doing their job, but hey, there's another piece of this that I need to know about, and this is the person that's working on it. Hey, how can we collaborate? We start to meet each other. I think it's going to be fine because it's, it's everybody so far, at least to me and to Jim, is excited about this opportunity. And I will tell you that when I met with the staff in Colorado Springs at the staff meeting on Tuesday afternoon, I said, whether you realize it or not, this is an historic moment in our industry. This is something that no one thought was going to happen, and it is happening. And if you look at this as this is a blank canvas, we've got all these great programs and great benefits that we do, but we have a blank canvas in front of us as to how do we do it together and how can we build this thing for the betterment of the industry because it's always about what's in the best interest of the industry. How can we do it better? And if you want to be – on this ride, you've got this is a one way ticket. You know, you can be, get on this ride and, and help make this thing happen because it's going to be exciting, I think. You know, it's going to be challenging and it should be exciting. And, and everybody seemed to be okay. I mean, they were like, good, you know, we want to do this. So that was good. Good. I mean, it seems that seems to be the sense that I've gotten from people as I've been here this week and, and talking to them is that, you know, there's definitely excitement and maybe a little apprehension, but for sure. the most part, you know, excited about what's going forward and, you know, the possibility of being able to do these more things and grow some of these programs yeah. and, and all of that. So it's been, it's been pretty neat um, to see how, how everyone's been feeling about that. And as in the industry, um, I've only been hearing positive things. Has that been yeah. the reaction you've been hearing as well? Absolutely. You know, and again, because two years ago when it didn't happen, there was like a collective groan, you know, from around the industry, like, why did this not happen? This should be happening. So I think you fast forward two years and it has come to pass so that people that who were disappointed two years ago now can look at it and say, well, okay, it didn't happen two years ago, but it's happening now. And typically the, the what I get is what can we do to help? You know, how can we support this effort? Because we do think it's a good thing. It is a good thing for the industry. And if there's something we can do to help out and support it, just let us know. And that's that's been the kind of reaction that I've been hearing. And I know Jim Mock's been hearing. The board members have been hearing. And it's all just been a good thing to hear that. 
are there things that people could do to to help out and yeah. help this process along? Yeah, because what's going to be happening is as we get through this first six-week phase of getting everything straightened out to report to the board so everybody kind of understands where we are, it's, I call it the benchmarking. Let's get the benchmark. Everybody understands our benchmark. Then what we're going to be needing is, and I, I and again, I've gotten some great emails and phone calls from people around the industry on the foundation side. I'm going to stop using the word side. There is no foundation side. We are all one <laughs> industry. But um, calls from people who are historically more aligned with foundation and the services and benefits that the foundation has done, as, as same with the APSB side, reaching out saying, what can I do to help? And where, where the industry, where our stakeholders can help is, we are going to need um, roll-up-the-sleeves approach, be looking at things like in the education program, okay, guys, we've got these great programs from we can teach you from you don't even know what a pole is or what, uh, what a skimmer is. We can take you from that all the way up through Genesis University, and depending on where you want to be, we want to be able to offer that to the industry as one organization. How can we improve that along the way? And we need our industry experts to help us do that in education, in government relations, in communications. We, we're going to – what the plan will be is we're going to be creating small task forces. This will just be a few people that will be working on different issues to try to help set – as the board looks at it, saying, look, we need to look at this in the future – Reaching out to people that are offering their help for standards writing, technical writing, um, education, instructing, training. There's so many different things that we need to look at. Yes, we need your help to help guide us in you're the industry experts. We're the boots on the ground to make happen what you tell us we need to make happen. So that's where the industry can support us. We need the help of the content experts, the industry experts, the people that understand what we need to do to help us on these task forces, which we're not looking at long-term commitments. These are going to be hopefully short-term commitments that you can get in, help get us set up, and then you can go off and not have to worry about doing volunteer work after that. But we need a lot of help in that kind of, in that area. You know, I think it's funny. It's it's a little bit the same, I feel like, for, for the magazine where you put something out or you're trying to come up with story ideas. And what you really need is someone on, in the industry to say, hey, this is what we're struggling with or yeah. this is what we're having a hard time with. It's, it's the same for you guys. Like, Absolutely. You can't fix things if you don't know about it. You can't work on programs that you don't know are needed. I mean, you, you really need people who are working in the industry day in and day out in the field, in their stores to say, these are the things that we're struggling with. These are the things we need help with. This is what I think you can do to help make this better. And if you don't get that feedback, you can't ever improve anything. And so it just, it kind of makes me laugh sometimes when people are like, well, why did you, why don't you write about this? Or why haven't you done that? And it's like, well, because you haven't, no one's ever talked to me about <laughs> yeah, that before. Right. This is the first time hearing about it. I would love right. to do something about that. Now let's talk. <laughs> so true. It is so true that, you know, we can, we can sit here as a staff, whether it's the foundation or uh, here at APSB in the past, we could sit here and think we know what's best. But you're right. Unless you, unless you hear from your stakeholders and what they need, you're not going to create the products that they need because you just don't know it. We, we don't, what do you need? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you have the, the added um, issue of, you know, in our industry, things are so different depending on the region that they're in too. And True. so what may work for somebody in Florida is not going to maybe work for someone in Seattle <laughs> or in True. New Jersey. And so, you know, you kind of need voices from all across the whole, you know, breadth of the industry. And so. That, that is so true. And one of the things that um, on the APSP side that has been 
um, we've not had a lot of emphasis on it until the last year, and that is the commercial pool side, the public pool side. Well, that's the backyard of the foundation. Absolutely. That's what they do. I mean, that's what they've always done. You now, we now have the residential side and the commercial side together, and that's a, that's a great example of, you know what? Now we can now we have all this brain trust, you know, working together to make the commercial side and the residential side better, you know, because now we're no longer fighting each other on well, your program is better than ours, our program or our program is better than yours. No, it's 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 all one program now. So I have to say, I mean, we talked a little bit about, you know, having hot tub in the name, but so one of the first comments that we got when we announced the news on our Facebook page was there should be a separate hot tub group. (laughs) Pools and hot tubs should be separate. So, you know, I mean, I know that was tried before with the IHTA that has now come under the APSB, but I mean, are there any assurances you can give to the hot tub, you know, industry that it will have representation and be, you know, looked at in the same light as the, as the bigger pool industry? That was hammered home to APSP in the past that, you know, when that whole split happened back in the early 2000s when IHTA was formed, and then over the years, fortunately, the two groups came back together again, and now IHTA is a a valued partner, you know, of APSP, and now part of the Pool and Hot Tub Alliance. Um, There is absolutely no question that the hot tub segment, and... Again, because you're right, our industry has segments. You know, you've got your manufacturer segment, you have your distributor segment, you have your builder segment. Well, there's a hot tub segment as well. And that hot tub segment, yes, it is a smaller segment than pools. There's no question it is. But, for instance, this past year, we did, uh, a, we at APSP, um, we issued our economic impact report for the first time in 14 years. And specifically, specifically, the um, the scope of service, when I talked with Bill Kennedy from PK Data when he was going to get ready to do it, I said, Bill, we need a whole section on hot tubs. And sure enough, if you look at the report now, there is a whole section on hot tubs because it is a vital part of the industry. It's not going away. If anything, what I hope ultimately happens is, and again, we're going back to the name, hot tub. It is right in the name of the association. Well, who are you and what do you do? Well, we are the Pool and Hot Tub Alliance. It is It is. We are all one industry, and we are not going to move into the future by thinking that, well, you know, it's really not, you know, it's not all that important because they're small and all that. No, it it is absolutely important to the industry. It's important to this new unified association that's not going away. You know, yes, so you have done a lot of the advocacy on the the hot tub side. Um, Going back to the IHTA, now and now it's back under the umbrella. and the NSPF, they did their hot water and healthy living study um, many years ago. And that is uh, information that I still go back to today as being valuable. And one of the few actual scientific studies that you can talk to about the impact of hot water on your body. And so it'll be, hopefully there will be And now more. It's, it's all part of one big work. It was like, wow, yeah, we have all these great, great resources. It's a great, like, what a great resource. I know Tom Lachaki had done a study, uh, which I found very interesting, and we used it for a long time. He had done a study, um, I guess about four or five years ago, and it was they charted out um, if you 
learn to swim at an early age, it's not just a safety issue, because obviously it's safety, um, and everybody should learn to swim at as early as age as possible. 80% of the earth is covered with water. You better be able to save yourself you know, <laughs> in water. So it's very important to swim. Um, but once you get past the safety issue, it's a health issue. It's a healthy. It, it's all good when it comes to swimming. But he did this study, and they, the study found that someone who learns to swim at an early age is 75% more likely to put a pool in or buy a pool when they're an adult. So you not only have this safety, healthy living, it's also a business driver, you know, the future. And that's, that fits the mission of this unified organization perfectly. Celebrate the water, get people into healthy living, you know, by swimming and using swim spas and pools and hot tubs and whatever the case may be, you know, the warm water therapy, you name it, all the way up to, and you know what? You're going to sell a pool too, or sell a hot tub, and that's that's us. That's what we do, and you're going to service it and maintain it as well. I mean, is there anything else that you think you want people in the industry to know about what you guys are working on, what they can do to help? Um, anything that? Well, I can tell you for the uh, for the hot tub side, I wanted the hot tub uh, group to know. I don't know if you were aware of this yet because it's it's just the IHTA is just getting started on it, but the um, and I don't want to mess up the, the the mandate of what they're looking at but what has happened in the uh, in the regulatory world and this is where we go to an advocacy issue when you uh, in the regulatory world the, the states are very independent on what they can do to regulate within their borders and that's fine that states rights it's perfect nope that's the way the constitution is set up and everybody's happy with that but sometimes what happens is in our world when you get into regulations if you get too many conflicting regulations, it makes it very difficult uh, to run your business. So the hot tub group is looking at working on a federal initiative uh, here in Washington, a federal initiative to have certain rules made which will be consistent around the country so that when a manufacturer is manufacturing a hot tub, I'm calling a hot, you know, manufacturing a hot tub, that the standards and the rules and regulations that they have to adhere to is a national standard. It, it makes it more, it just makes it better. And if you're the dealer and you, you don't, you're not going to have to worry about it. Are the, are the hot tubs that I'm selling in compliance with, with, Oh, well, you know, you know, New Jersey has this rule and, you know, Connecticut has this rule. We want one rule so that Everybody is following that. Now, if the local states want to do, you know, within reason, I don't think that's going to make a huge difference, but you want it to be that the manufacturers all the way down to the dealer base is dealing with one set of rules. And the IHTA is just getting started on that because it's an important thing. They they saw that the pool pump manufacturers were um, having some success in Washington getting their rule nationally mandated through DOA, Department of Energy. The pool the pool pump motor you know, pool pump motor manufacturers are very close hopefully to getting a similar uh, national regulatory standard set uh, set up the um, automatic cover manufacturers are close to getting the water sense through EPA uh, designated it's very important to our industry that we have one set of rules and guidelines that we can work with that are good guidelines are good for the industry good for the environment whatever the case may be once we have the buy-in but we don't have 50 different rules around the country to have to deal with you want one so i think that's going to be a very exciting initiative 
of the, the hot tub industry to make it better for the manufacturers all the way down to the dealer base so that they're going to know that their products are meeting this, hopefully, a national standard that everybody can, everybody can live with. I'm glad you brought that up because it's yeah. something that I don't think that dealers always think about. Right. Um, you know, they just get their hot tubs for their manufacturer right. and they sell them and, you know, they know their rules and regulations for their municipalities. And, um, but yeah, I think you don't realize the, the amount of time and energy and money that the manufacturers are spending to try to keep all of those things the way they're supposed to be for everywhere that they ship a hot tub. And would probably be beneficial for everyone financially oh, <laughs> if yeah. they're not trying to manage all of these little tiny things for each individual state. And, and that's something that would impact individual dealers Absolutely, going forward. If, if a dealer has to pay more for the hot tub that the dealer is buying to sell because of inconsistent regulations that is being that have to be that have to be dealt with you know by the manufacturers that hurts their ability to sell to the consumer so even though you don't think of it directly it does impact everybody so if you've got if everybody's working to one standard that saves costs and you get a, a good safe product and you're selling a safe product out to the marketplace and the dealer is able to hopefully sell a product that his or her consumer can afford you know so it's not outrageously expensive because of dealing with regulatory issues. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been a part or paid attention to the IHTA, you know, going back to the very beginning, and they work really hard on, on that mm -hmm. stuff. And it's something that, you know, hopefully over the next year, we as a magazine can help bring better light to all the little issues that they're working on. Because I think it's important for us all to know that these things are happening and these are potential threats and this is what we're, this is what we're doing about yeah. it. So I'm excited to see how that continues going forward and excited to help get the word out on that some Great. more. Great. All right. Well, I'm. I feel like we have taken up. I know you're a little busy. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. Well, yeah, we've definitely taken up uh, plenty of your time. But thank you so much for doing with us with us today and and hopping on the podcast. And I'm so glad that you're able to um, meet face to face and do this. And so I really I really appreciate it. I well, yeah, thank you for the time. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to do so as well. And Larry, I wanted to tell you how much I appreciate you. And I, I didn't get a chance to tell you this, but you coming into that board, um, you've just been terrific. In the in the few meetings that I sat on this past year. Um, I, I think um, you're alert, which is a huge compliment, and uh, you're uh, congenial. And I just uh, think the world of you, and uh, I didn't get to work with you uh, through NESPA or any of that stuff, even though I'm a Jersey guy here, or I'm not, I'm a Pennsylvania <laughs> Philly guy, but I have a store here. Uh, but I, I, uh, I do appreciate all your efforts. It's, 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 you're really doing a great job. Well, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. Retailer Podcast is produced by Spa Retailer Magazine. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SpaRetailer.com, and the Spa Retailer app. Please leave us a review and let us know what you think or email us at podcast at sparetailer.com.